0: KXNO Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO.
1: Miller in Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. In about 15 minutes, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. We'll look back at Tuesday for hoops. Look ahead to Saturday for football and squeeze in Latrell Bankston, who's committed to Iowa State, a JUCO D tackle from Hutchinson College. Uh, I think he was like in the top five, I think
2: uh, ranked, maybe three. Yeah, number three defensive tackle mm-hmm. out of the JUCO ranks, top twenty player nationally, regardless of position. Is he really in junior college wow. from twenty four seven. Wonder so they're so excited about him. Yes. So no we'll doubt. talk to
1: Alex Halstead about that, and then Mark Moorehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, will opine on uh, Illinois and Iowa. Right now, Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. It's Valley. It's Dowling. It's tomorrow night. Cody will be there. So will Trent Condon. Cody, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm glad I'm finally able to get on your guys' show. I've been listening for a few months now, just kind of, you know, Chomping at the bit to get on here and
1: talk with you guys. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you coming on, uh, Cody. We do, and I'm obviously I'm going to be doing a lot of listening to you and Trent here coming up. But you know, this is the first time I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, that we've had two CIML schools play for a state championship since they changed the rules that it wasn't east side of the state, west side of the state. How do you think this, because I mean, I'm all for it, clearly. <laughs> I think I speak for most of central Iowa. But if it would Bettendorf and say City High, not a lot of TVs being tuned uh, in tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. How do you think this is playing out statewide, Cody? I
0: think there's a lot of people that are interested. I mean, I've, I've talked with a handful of coaches, you know, around the state. I mean, I was there last Friday for both the semifinal games, and, uh, you know, Bettendorf coach Aaron Wiley and Cedar Rapids Kennedy coach Brian White were both like, hey, you know, these, these two teams are the best. And, and it's only fitting that, you know, now they finally get a chance to play in the title game because for years, and, you know, I, I say for years, I think dating back to 2005, you can count seven times have met in the postseason, and, you know, most of them have been in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple quarterfinal matchups, and there's I think there was one in the round of 16. Um, But there's always kind of been that curiosity, you know, hey, if these two teams really are the best, why aren't they meeting in the final? Um, And so the RPI system allowed for at least that opportunity to happen, and it took all of two years for us to see a Valley Talling final, which I think is exciting for, you know, especially people exciting for us here in central Iowa. Um, but I think it's gonna it's gonna draw a lot of eyeballs around you know the rest of the state of Iowa as well.
2: Cody, these two teams faced off in Week Two at Valley Stadium. Valley won that twenty nine twenty two. We know year after year it seems like Dowling looks to be a different team in November than they are early in the season. Probably the case again here. But how much do you read back to Week Two in that twenty nine twenty two win?
0: There's, I mean, there's things you can learn from that game, right? I mean, uh, you got to take into account the fact that at that point in time, I, you know, these are two different teams that are going to take the field tomorrow night. You know, Dowling, I know they're, they're always run first, um, you know, and they especially were in that week two matchup. They had Tegan Johnson, but they didn't have Gavin Williams, right? Mm-hmm. So how much of a factor is he going to play in tomorrow night? At the same time for Valley, you know, I think they relied a little bit on quarterback Brayden Ketcher, who's able to throw the ball. He can move out of the pocket a little bit. Um, you know, at least in the second half of that Week 2 game. Um, but Valley didn't really have Jaden Williams, or at least they weren't exactly sure who they had in Jaden Williams in that Week 2 matchup, and he's really emerged and, you know, he's, he, he eclipsed a 1,000 yards rushing for the year last week when he scored three touchdowns against Bettendorf. So, you know, both of these teams have gotten better. They re, They've remained relatively healthy, and uh, tell you what, man, I, it's going to be a showdown because these, I mean these two teams are very identical when you really kind of get to the nitty gritty of it.
1: Uh, I want to get back to high school football in just a second, but there's a little bit of breaking news baseball related. I know this will make Sean Robertson and Emory Songer really happy. White Sox made a significant free agent signing, all-star catcher from the Brewers, Yasmani Grandal. Wow, yeah, four-year four-year deal,
3: I
2: think. Anyways, he's, he's a White Sox. They mean business. Sorry, Trent. No problem at all. Hey, you know, you mentioned teams looking a little bit different. Really enjoyed your article on. Jaden Williams, a guy that wasn't running the football a whole lot. Valley has a two-headed monster there. Creighton Mitchell, the speedster on the outside. Jaden Williams, a guy I didn't know much a whole lot about until the season progressed. And uh, Creighton Mitchell went down with an injury there in the middle of the season. He's played really well. Great story there on him. And a guy that gets to play where his dad played football up at the Unidome when he was with the Panthers.
0: Yeah, his dad Darian Williams. I'm not sure how many people remember, but you know those 06, 07 Panther mm-hmm. teams, especially '07. They went 12 and one. They were the one seed in the playoffs that year. Uh, Darian Williams kind of emerged, um, you know, as a nice, um, you know, part of the backfield there. I think he ended up rushing for a thousand yards over the two years he was in Cedar Falls, and and young Jaden was there along for the ride. Uh, you know, Darian had Jaden when you know he was just 16 years old, still in high school, and Jaden was there, you know, as he finished his high school career in East Moline as he continued on to Iowa Central and Fort Dodge, and then as he continued on to the Unidome at Northern Iowa um, during those seasons. So, you know, I, he, he mentioned it briefly after the semifinals um, you know, just about how, you know, he had dreamt of the opportunity to run on the Unidome carpet. And um, you know, so I was able to kind of talk to him about that a little bit more. Um, And I thought that was a really cool story, you know, just, you know, Jaden has kind of grown up around football and it's all he's ever really wanted to do. So, you know, these, these opportunities that he gets, um, you know to you know to to play at the unidome and, and you know to show out for valley because it's been a while since they've been at the unidome right so it's not just an opportunity for him it's an opportunity for Gary Swenson and the rest of that Tiger team as well. And so I appreciate you reading, appreciate that plug. If you want to go read more, uh, Des Moines Register.com,
1: right? Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's, uh, it strikes me that it's it's when that garage door goes up, there's still something special. And we, we had one in our house that uh, uh, my stepson played for Pizzetti, I think, 2005, 2006. And just how pumped he was to, and this whole team and everybody that does it uh, before they would get crushed by Valley seemingly <laughs> every year to be a long, quiet uh, drive home. But when that garage door goes up and those kids get the opportunity, opportunity to play in that dome that really resonates doesn't it
0: oh absolutely I mean that's what you dream of right and it's a unique thing here in Iowa and I you know I'm from Kansas City and um, in Missouri if your football team is good enough you spend Thanksgiving in St. Louis at the Edward Jones dome if your team is in the state finals you know this you know for in Iowa you know if you get to the semifinals you get to the uni dome and you know generally speaking if you get to the dome anything can happen um, you know, we we saw two lopsided victories for the Tigers and the Maroons last weekend. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are really excited to see how tomorrow's going to unfold.
2: Six consecutive state championships for Dowling Catholic. I've asked it. I'm sure you've asked it before. Gary Swenson on the other side, seeing his rival, Tom Wilson, and the success that they've had. Gary hasn't won a title since 2011, just 2011. But it's the Valley program. How much do you think it eats at it? And I, I know he wouldn't answer the question to you or me. But how much do you think this is not at Gary Swenson over the last six seasons?
3: Oh,
0: I'm sure it's bugged him a little bit because, I, you know, you look at the way that these two teams have played each other. You know, I, since Wilson got to Dowling in 2005, they've played 22 times, 11 and 11. Wow. Um, right? Yeah. And so I, I, neither team has won any more than three in a row in the series as far as, you know, the research I've been able to kind of dig up. Um, And then you look at the last few games, you know, Valley won in week two of this season. Last year, Dowling won in the state quarterfinals, but Valley won in the regular season. And that was the first time in quite a while that they had a rematch in the postseason. Um, You know, because you look back at 2016, Valley, led by Rocky Lombardi, was able to beat Dowling, but they lost before a rematch could materialize. Uh, Same thing happened in 2014 during Rocky's uh, freshman year. So, I, you know, this, it's, it kind of bugs them a little bit, I'm sure, um, you know, that he's been, you know, they've been able to beat Dowling and not able to get that postseason rematch because, you know, last year was, I think, the first postseason rematch since 2015. And it was also the first time that the winner of the regular season game lost in the postseason um, because usually if they have postseason rematches, whoever won the first one ended up winning the second one as well. Looking at 2013, 2015, it was Dowling. And then, you know, 2005, 2008, 2011, it was Valley. So, um, you know, I'm sure it bugs him a little bit and you know, I know as, as a as a you know, the competitor that he is, I'm sure he's excited to get back out there and play them again too.
2: Cody Goodwin joining us from the Des Moines Register. He'll be on the beat. He'll be there tomorrow night. Valley Dowling, and you can hear the call here kxno.com and on the iHeartMedia app we'll join in progress after Iowa State Women's Basketball. Cody, one more on football. Eight player championship going on, and then I do have a wrestling question for you. Don Bosco leading 2013 over Audubon in that eight player championship. What else? People are looking for another game to get excited about. What other of the remaining, well, four games after this eight player one, are you looking forward to the most outside of Valley Dowling in the championship matchups?
0: Oh, man. Can I say all of them? Or do I have to pick one? (laughs) Just Uh, one. Just one. if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the Friday morning one, actually. Class 1A, Van Meter, West Lyon. Yes. I'm very, very intrigued by that one. Both of these teams are battle-tested. I know Van Meter's district featured the likes of, uh, you know, Panorama and Mount Air, just a really tough district all around. And then West Lyon, you know, emerged from that district with West Sioux and Western Christian, and they had to beat the Falcons in the semifinals last week. You know, it's not easy to beat Hunter Deckers. Nobody had really been able to do it the last couple of years. Um, so, give credit to uh, Jay Roseboom and those West Lion wildcat, Wildcats. I'm very excited. You know, two really well balanced teams with explosive offenses. It's going to be a great way to kick off Friday morning at the Unidome.
2: All right, wrestling. You're heading over to Iowa City uh, today. Got media availability for that one. The question, I think, permeating the state right now we got Iowa State duel coming up on Sunday, but can Iowa finally win a national championship? Can they finally get rid of this Penn State? just what they built. Ohio State got them one year, but it has been a decade of dominance. How good of a shot do you give the Hawks this year to ultimately take the title?
0: Yeah, I think uh, very similar to how we kind of view the Class 4A playoffs. Um, you know, until Dowling gets beat, they're probably the favorite when it comes to the postseason, right? I think you mm-hmm. can apply that same mindset to uh, NCAA Division I wrestling. Until Penn State gets beat, they're probably going to be the favorites to win it unless we see something that you know suggests something otherwise. That said, I think I was in position to, to truly contend for the NCAA championship this year, probably for the first time since the 14-15 season when Ohio State was able to rip it from them during those three days in March. Um, you know, they've got the team. They, 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 this is, this is the team. This is one of the best teams they've had, I think, since they last won it in 09-10. Um, you know, they've got some great depth. They've got a lot of talent. Their lineup this year features seven All-Americans. Um, and the other three guys, you know, two of them have come a win away from the podium at the NCAA championships. And the other one is a very talented redshirt freshman heavyweight And Tony Cassiope. Uh, he opened his year with a pin last week. So the championship window is open for these Hawkeyes. It's just a matter of can they do it in those three days in March? And that's ultimately how this season is going to be defined.
1: Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. Cody, thanks for uh, coming on. We appreciate it. You're very good on the air, as I told you uh, when I met you in the hallway a few months back. Uh, We'll read you at com, covering the wrestling and, of course, the high school as we move from football into basketball and dot, dot, dot. Thank you, Cody. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you, Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. If this, uh, if the writing thing doesn't work out, he's not yeah. on the air train. Oh no, there's no doubt. Yeah, he really is. All right, we'll take time out. Alex Halstead next on Iowa State. Got a lot of ground to cover with Alex. Do some basketball. Take a look back to Tuesday night. Some recruiting stuff and a peek ahead to Kansas and Iowa State. We'll find out um, Saturday night or Sunday when the K State Iowa... Saturday three. night Saturday night Yep, and the two windows were middle of the afternoon or six thirty or seven. I think it was six. Wasn't was it? it? Was it two thirty and say yeah, right in that range though? Uh, we'll find it. We'll know Saturday night what time the uh, the finale of the regular season is going to kick off. All right, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Mark Morehouse in twenty minutes on the Hawks. It's Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty.
0: Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio. This is 1460KXNO.
1: Hi, welcome back, Miller and Con, to Des Moines Sports Station 1460KXNO. 15 or 20 minutes. Mark Morehouse will join us. We'll talk Hawks. Right now we're going to do that with Iowa State. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. A lot of ground to cover. Football, basketball, recruiting. And let's start there, Alex. Uh, First of all, good morning. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Latrell Bankston. Is I guess the heir apparent to Johnson or Lima, but a pretty big need, and I'm assuming two years left for one of the top JUCOs uh, at his position and overall. Trent tells me top 20 player overall, JUCO wise. um Bankston, big get.
3: Yeah, good to be out with you. And then yeah, about a little over an hour ago, Iowa State picked up its 22nd commitment of the 2020 recruiting class, and that is by way of Wentzell Bankston, as you mentioned. And I think arguably the biggest commit of the class, just when you look at need and, and at least in terms of immediate impact. Uh, Bankston is a six foot one, 300 pound defensive tackle a guy that had uh, 12 sacks this year. Um, was a Jayhawk Conference Player of the Year down in Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. Is probably going to be a Juco All American. Uh, Trent's right, the number 17 overall Juco in the country and the number three Juco defensive tackle in the country by 24 7 sports. So somebody Iowa State's been on since mid August. Uh, they beat out the likes of. Uh, you know, Kansas State, Maryland, Boise State, Oregon State. I think Auburn was coming in but hadn't offered yet. Uh, this is a guy that I would say really targeted for a while because, like you said, they need to replace Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson. So uh, he's supposed to graduate in December with three years to play too, so has that red shirt available. But obviously the hope is that he comes in spring ball, uh, fights for that job, and you know is a, a key impact player for the next two years starting in 2020.
2: You know, Juco rec- recruiting, it feels like it's different than it was you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. But going out there and having a guy that's going to graduate in December, how important is that, a guy that'll be in for the spring to Campbell and his crew?
3: Yeah, that's huge because you look at the fact of spring ball especially, and that's when you're going to get 15 practices over, what, six weeks and uh, get to learn the defense and all those sorts of things. Um, I think you look back at at past years and the guys who've gotten it right away have typically been the guys who've maybe um, done something right away And that's, you know, Ray Lima. You look at him versus Camilo Tangamoa. Ray Lima comes in the spring and becomes a three-year starter. And Camilo Tangamoa got there like a week before or maybe even like the week of the first game. And it just took him a while. And I think by the end of his career, he was starting to show flashes. And one thing that hurt him at Camilo was probably a three-man front and Ray Lima was the guy. But the other thing is, you know, he would have benefited from a redshirt, but he didn't have his redshirt. He was a two-for-two guy, never had spring ball. And so that first year was just kind of wasted. Uh, whereas if you look at a guy like Bankston, assuming he gets in early as is, as is the expectation, um, he's a leg up in terms of Juco guys.
1: We're talking with Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Well, let's get to this week and senior day, and we're seeing a lot of tributes to the seniors, and it's a really good senior class, Alex. I don't have to tell you that. Some big holes going to uh, remain, uh, but to look, at the the good news is as Campbell has recruited very well. We're seeing the depth behind some of these guys. I guess as a unit overall, I mean, the offensive line takes – yeah, take that's a pretty big blow, right? When four of their five starters are all going to walk tomorrow and Saturday on senior day. a uh, pretty good group who's playing their best football in their final campaign.
3: Yeah, this is a, a pretty good group of seniors just in terms of impact. I mean, you look at the twenty guys that will will graduate and there's impact guys um at, at di- every position, and really even the guys that are probably lower on that on that group of twenty in terms of playing, they're probably even still Bigger special teams contributors. So, from the four offensive linemen, like you mentioned, that's going to be one of the key areas next season. Is you know replacing four of those five starters that are seniors. Um, we just talked about Jamal Johnson and, and Ray Lima, defensive tackle, Marcel Spears at linebacker, and uh, you know going through all those names, and you don't even mention them, Michael Petway and Hay mm-hmm. Jones, two of Iowa State's 500 plus yard receivers. So uh, they lose a lot from this group, and this is a group that um, has meant a lot for them over the last uh, four years. Some of the some of them, you know, maybe three years. If you look at a guy like. Uh, Ray Lehman. So, um, you know, they talked about that, you know, I think it was Brock Purdy or someone mentioned that, that, you know, they still feel like they have a lot to play for. Seven seven wins, they hope, this week. Eight wins, they hope, for the third straight year. By the end of that K-State game, another bowl game. Um, and this senior group uh, will be, you know, I think just the second group um, to play in, in, bowl ga- in three bowl games. So, um, you know, they've obviously made a big impact on the program in that regard as well.
2: Alex, of course, we know about the seniors that will be walking through is there any juniors that could be playing their final game in Jack Trice? Not guys that are transferring, graduates, or those types of things, but a guy or two that maybe will put their name out there and at the very least look at that advisory committee with the NFL and see what their grade is going to be?
3: Yeah, the names that always you know came up before the season, one of them was obviously Greg Eyes. We're looking at a Big 12 mm-hmm. defensive newcomer of the year last year, preseason all Big 12. I think his injury um, and I think... You know, all signs are probably that he comes back um, for, you know, his senior season. Uh, I think the injury probably plays a little role in that. And, and I don't know if he's really considered or not. I think the way he talks, it seems like you know, he would be back. Another name that people ask me about, he's actually not a junior, but a redshirt sophomore. started with Kohler. Yep. Um, I think him, too, probably another probably benefits from another year. But the type of season he's having, you know, one of eight semifinalists for the, for the Mackey Award. Um, you know, the finalists will come out next week. Could be one of, I think, I don't even know how many finalists they named. It just gets cut down to four or whatever, but he's one of the best tight ends in college football. But I think he could probably benefit from another year, probably in the weight room, but also, you know, continuing to take another step blocking to kind of complement his whole game. You know, we talked to Todd McShay uh, at Baylor earlier in the season. He said he wasn't elite, you know, in terms of maybe like a Gronk, but he could be a really good NFL-type tight end. So I think, you know, he's got that potential, but, it just seems like he could probably benefit, especially because he's a redshirt sophomore, not even a redshirt junior yet. So those are two guys, I think, before the season or as the season's got underway. But it, it seems like, for the most part, they shouldn't lose any you know underclassmen to the NFL this season.
1: Uh, Kansas is a three-win football team. The Boston College win on a Friday night seemingly came out of uh, nowhere. Texas Tech... You know, Texas Tech depends on what week you, uh, you see them. Do you think that they might be turning a corner and the next week they stink and, and Kansas beat them. When you look at this Kansas football team, I like the, the quarterback Carter Stanley who doesn't get a lot of recognition because after all he plays at Kansas but he, he's certainly a decent player. Puka Williams uh, one of those guys he's hit or miss but uh, he can do some damage. Not a big guy but stands behind that offensive line waiting for that hole to open. Uh, what does Campbell uh, and the coordinators uh, Manning and Haycock say about this Jayhawks team, who will be uh, at Jack Trice at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning?
3: Yeah, that was one of the things Campbell said, and I don't think it's coach speak in this regard, because you get it every week where you know, this, this is a great opponent, whether they're the worst team in the conference like Kansas or the best team like Oklahoma, you kind of get that talk, but I don't even think he was um, just kind of saying positive things when he said that Kansas does have several uh, maybe a handful of NFL type players on their roster. You, they had that last year. They had a couple of defensive linemen and a receiver who I think are in the NFL right now from last year's roster. It's just they've never really put it all together in the last decade or so to to have a good football team. But, you know, you look at Puka Williams and, like you said, a good quarterback and they've got some different good players, especially on that offensive line and some things like that. But they just haven't really put it together when you look at the, the whole body of work. Um, you know, in conference play, they've, they've played three competitive games, obviously. They beat Texas Tech and then they lost one score games to West Virginia and Texas, but then their other four conference games that they've played so far, uh, they've lost by eighteen plus points. And so uh, they've been there in a few games and really for a couple of weeks it was that they sprung those games together. Uh, but for the most part, they just haven't really played competitive football. But um, you know that was kind of the talk from Campbell's that you know they still think that there's some challenge because I think I think Les Miles has gotten this team to play a lot mm-hmm. better than we've seen in recent years, even if the wins haven't shown up.
2: Alex, uh, let's jump into a little bit of basketball. Another victory Tuesday night against an outman team against Southern Miss, but a lot more miss three pointers out there, much like there was against Northern Illinois. Three of twenty-five in that game against NIU. A bit better, five of twenty-two against Southern. How concerning is this for you, though, as you watch this team? Their struggles hitting the three. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's the big question right now. Over the last two games, you know, if you add those up, that's 8 of 47, 17% from 3 over the last two games. And they're only four games in, and, and Steve Brome said in practice they've been hitting them. Um, when you look at the Northern Illinois game, especially uh, a week ago, it was the backcourt of Tyrese Halliburton, Prentice Nixon, and Roger Bolton went over. So, you know, I think those those three guys really have to just start hitting them. And, you know, Steve Brome said when you look at the Northern Illinois game, he thought that tw- about 20 when he went back and logged them, 20 of the 25 he thought were good looks. He said he they probably forced a few more against Southern Miss. Um, so so there is some forcing going on, but uh, for the most part they're just missing what he thinks are good shots or at least open books. And so I think it's concerning from the standpoint of you know I, I think it's going to get better. But Steve Forbes said the goal is 38, percent you know, to be the type of team they want to be. And can they can they get how close can they get to that? I think that's maybe becoming a concern because you know it's really up to a few guys. It's not like they have. You know the Tyrus McGee or some of those guys that can come off the bench and do that like they used to have, and so I think that's probably the biggest concern as they go forward because you know so far there's been a pretty big margin of error. You know if they play good defense and that sort of thing, but when you get Michigan, Alabama, and North Carolina next week, and then in the in the second week of December, Seton Hall and Iowa, uh, that margin for error is not going to be as big where you can shoot less than twenty percent from three.
1: And here comes the Big Twelve in January and February. Yeah, you, you know you touched on it briefly, Alex. Who off the bench? might they look to to fill would it be Jackson? Would it be Grill? Who who has the potential maybe to, you know, to 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 get things going from behind the arc?
3: Would it be Jackson? Yeah, it'd be those two guys, you know, Caleb Grill and Trey Jackson. Before the season, Trome said that Grill was a guy that they thought could come in and, and hit a three. I think he's proven that he could be more than that. He seems to be more like kind of their toughness defensive, you know, guy and and goes after rebounds and he just plays really hard. But you know, we've seen him Uh, actually in that Northern Illinois game where they hit only three of 25, he hit two of the 25. So he's one of the guys that they think can do it. And I think Jackson too. Jackson's been a little bit streaky here early. Um, But, you know, his whole scouting report is that, you know, he's pretty prolific from three. And, you know, um, last week, Rajir Bolton told us, you know, he shot 200 three-pointers the day after the Northern Illinois game. Um, Prohm said that he worked out with him recently, and he was just kind of on fire, was hitting them all. But, you know, so far it hasn't translated – you know, into the games. And I joked after the game Tuesday, maybe they need to check the rims of Hilton because <laughs> Southern and Miss went 0-6. Right. And uh, that game as a whole, those two teams were uh, pretty bad from three.
1: No doubt about it. Alex Halstead. Alex, I gotta go on record. What time is the K-State game going to kick off? I'm crossing my fingers it's a night game. Am I gonna, is my wish going to be granted?
3: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, yeah, 6.30. Um, I'm crossing my fingers for 2.30. <laughs> right. um, it's already, I now now that it's not 11 a.m., I can drive down morning up. Now it's a question of, do I do the 10 hours in the car round trip, or do I stay mm. uh, in Kansas City afterwards? And it's going to be interesting. I think you know, this is a game in Manhattan that's traditionally, I think, a lot of times recently feels like it's been a later game, and uh, I don't know what, what it will go against. Uh, the question maybe would be, uh, does Baylor beat Texas this week? And if they do, maybe they put Kansas and Baylor at night, although that's not Oof. that big of a appealing game either.
1: So, uh, you you and Mont split the driving? <laughs> no, he... We
3: haven't talked about that yet, but uh, might have to, you know, the thing is, 2.30, like the game gets over and you can maybe get back at 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., yeah. so uh, that's, that's kind of the question, but if it's 6.30, I uh, kind of definitely stay there.
1: Indeed. Uh, Dylan, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, Dylan, uh, Alex, we'll talk to you next week. Not sure what day since we're off on Thursday, but we will find a spot for you. Uh program's better when you're on it. Thank you, Alex Halstead. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, cyclonealert.com, 24-7 sports. Please be a night game. Do you want that night game? I do. I don't want it to be in the, on, on top of the Iron Bowl. Hawks play Friday. You have Iron multiple
2: Bowl. TVs, though, don't you? Yeah, but
1: I can't watch two games. Well, I can. You can. But you got nah, it's just play tonight. It it's too much for you. It is for the old man. <laughs> Anyways, we'll take a time out. Mark Morehouse will join the program next. We have yet to get to the Hawks. We will rectify that when we come back. Uh Cedar Rapids Gazette for Mark. Right now, caller number 1, we've got a four-pack of tickets. You want to see the Iowa Wild on Saturday night? You have to pick them up before the close of business tomorrow. Four-pack of tickets, caller 1, Iowa Wild, Saturday night. If you can't go, don't call. Right. And if you call in and say, what did I win? We're going to go to the next caller. But it's caller number 1, 284-5966. These are for Saturday. We're taking caller number 1 right now. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 14. No.
0: 24-hour sports anywhere in the world. On iHeartRadio, this is 1460
1: KXNO.
3: Seems like yesterday.
1: But it was long ago. Hi, right, welcome back, Bill and Condon. The final segment here on a Thursday. Cyclone Fanatic Radio tonight at 6. Hawkeye Nation Radio Show tonight at 7. Myself and Andrew Downs. You're doing State. it again? Boy, they're Schmelka. getting money's worth out of you. <laughs> hey, can
2: never say no,
1: right? Absolutely. Uh let's get Mark Morhosen here he's never said no at least very rarely and we're grateful for him for doing that. Uh Cedar Rapids Gazette is where you can read him his break uh, his game day analysis of Iowa Illinois is up at gazette.com. Uh Mark Trenton Ken. Thank you sir for coming on. How are you?
4: Great. I hope you guys are
1: doing well. We are. And you know what? I'm uh, I'm glad I read your piece today because I was not aware. I mean, we we see the record. Uh, we see where Illinois was forecast to be this year, right at the bottom. Them and Rutgers, the two worst teams in the Big Ten. And then all of a sudden, here's a 6-1 football uh, team making their way to Iowa City. Northwestern next week, you would think they would get the 7. How has Lovey done it? You made a uh, you made a great point in your piece, Mark. Uh, just uh, I mean, he has mined the transfer portal, and it has been very beneficial to Lovey Smith's uh, uh, fighting Illini.
4: Agree, and it, I, you know, I, I wrote my Illinois preseason stuff with the idea, or just uh, I was pretty harsh. I mean, they, there wasn't much to hang All on right. to, and I saw one of the worst. Uh, the uh, power five football games last year at Illinois, it was 63 nothing Hawkeyes and there were 14,000 Illinois fans mm-hmm. there. So, uh, I was kind of thinking that program was pushing up Daisy. How often can, do we see in college football, especially a team just put its foot down and start winning mm-hmm. and just kind of shed some of the bad habits and, uh, kind of cash in on just about, I mean, if you watch the Michigan state game, cashing in on every opportunity. So, uh, Amazing turnaround. Um, I didn't see it coming. And then the transfer portal part of it blows my mind. It kind of reminds me of Fred Hoiberg's teams at Iowa ah, State. Nice. Built into the yep. transfers. Uh, actually, there was no transfer portal then, but there was transferring. Yep. And uh, to me, uh, smart. Yep. Um injects your team with athletes. And I think they have three or four guys from USC, so that doesn't hurt either.
1: What can I just jump in back yeah. to that uh, th- that game you were referring to uh, Michigan State and Mark they missed a kick to tie to 31-31 I thought oh they're not going to overcome this and they did.
4: Yeah, uh they've had a little bit of luck, let's be honest. I mean the Wisconsin game was uh uh Right. I don't know how many I don't know how many games Iowa has won where, you know, that, that, that was uh, the Minnesota game where Iowa was outrushed like 340-6. to six. Um, So, yeah, they've had some good luck. But uh, four straight games of it, no, I think I think there's some competency there. And I think uh, uh, the transfer portal, yeah, you know, they have a quarterback now. They have a, a, a high-motor pass rusher I think might be out for this game. But uh, uh, it's given them an identity. It's given them athletes, given them an injection. And, uh, uh, hey, it's given them a bowl game.
2: Josh Emat or Bebe? I think I got it right this time. Looked at the pronunciation guide. The <laughs> USC wide receiver transfer. He's been making plays on the outside. They can run the fo- uh, football certainly uh, throughout. How dangerous of a spot here? Not that it'll be a decent game. It'll be close in the fourth quarter. But after last week's victory, kind of getting some of that negativity surrounding the program away, how good, big of a chance to win this game do you give Illinois?
4: Um... Hmm. Not very. If you look at the, if you look at the numbers, if you look at what Illinois really is, uh, I don't think you can plan on those types of takeaways. I mean, that's an avalanche of takeaways and people, Illinois is leading the nation in takeaways at 26. That's more than Clemson. So there's something going on there, but to me, that's something you really can't count on. And then if you look at all the numbers that Illinois isn't good at, like say rush defense, um, uh just sustained drives and offense. None of that stuff matches up with what Iowa showed it might be good at last week. Uh you know, Tyler Goodson finally, you know, getting totally unveiled to the world and, and I don't see Illinois dealing with that very well. Um this passing game I don't see Illinois getting the quarterback enough to really affect Stanley. I see Iowa getting to the quarterback a lot in this game. So the things that Illinois is good at really don't measure up to Iowa and I think Iowa's better at the things that uh is better at most football things in Illinois. Maybe it's takeaways, but. Like I said, you can't you can't count on
1: those. Uh, senior Day at uh, t- tomorrow, our tomorrow's uh, Saturday, Kinnick Stadium. Of course, Nate Stanley. We know that uh, at least we think both of the tackles, although not seniors, are going to probably play their last game uh, at historic Kinnick. Paulson, Brady, Ross, a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball in the line. Lattimore, Reef, Epinesa, probably done. Uh, you would think so. Uh, Christian Welsh, who was such a has such a big role in that win over Minnesota. Some dudes going to be playing their final game at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday, Mark.
4: Yeah, I wrote about the Paulsons this week. Um, they're actually from uh, I think they're actually from Moville, but their family is from a place called Climbing Hill, Iowa. Still blows my mind. Uh, I'm 52 years old. I've lived in Iowa probably 40-something years. Um, I still hear a towns that I've never heard right. of before, and I love that. Yeah. The Paulsons, uh, they came from Class A football in Iowa. Um, their their dad was putting on a roof, and uh, their grandfather was out working him. Their dad buys some muscle and fitness magazines, basically the strength coach for Woodbury Central wow. High School. They help each other lift weights. They, they they come out of nowhere, literally nowhere. And they made it this far in NFL, in
1: uh,
4: college football. It blows my mind. Uh, climbing in Iowa to Kinnick Stadium, um, just measure that. <laughs> That's an achievement in and of itself in my mind. So yeah, the seniors. Uh, what I think, thirty-two and seventeen. Um, I think f- uh, 13, 13 trophy games. are thirteen and five in trophy games. Uh, oh. That to me blows my mind. Um, of course, one of the if they would have gotten one of those Wisconsin ones, it would have blown my mind even more. But um, accomplished. This, this this is an accomplished group, um, and, and you know, Stanley. Lee, I think Stanley. I think people are going to have. Uh, they're going to have a little bit of a, a dissonance, cognitive dissonance, when he goes because he did he did so much, and so anyway, the senior class, it's a big deal to me. Thirty two wins, that's 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 crossing a, a pretty good threshold for Iowa, you know, Iowa four years.
2: Mark, uh, earlier this week during the press conference on Tuesday, I brought this up with Ken, and and you were there. So Kirk Ferentz mentions, hey, don't ask the guys about leaving early for the NFL draft. It was a conversation that happened last year, I think after the Illinois game, uh, when Noah Fant was asked the question, is this going to be your final game, those kind of things in a Hawkeye uniform? What do you think was behind that from Kirk Ferentz?
4: Hmm. Good question. Um, I think distraction. I really think it's just the practical distraction of it. Um, These guys aren't going to be blindsided by anybody's decision at at any point, I don't think. Maybe portal guys. Maybe there'll be a few portal guys that because you know you don't have to tell the coaches anymore that you're going in the portal so Mm -hmm. i I imagine they'll just be by you know math there's going to be a few there but when it comes to going to going pro i I think i think everybody knows where they stand i i think uh uh, if i was not being realistic with its outlook and and it is i mean i talked to uh oh tim polisek uh at media day and i and i asked him straight up okay possibility you might have your tackles go to the NFL next year. Possibility, You know, it's a big, crazy world. Anything can happen, right? So, uh, yeah, they can go get paid to play football. I think they're probably going to do it. And he said, you know what, they have planned for that. That's why you've seen, uh, I think, this year uh, Kallenberger play, because I think he's going to be suddenly become a very important player next year when he's a starting tackle. Um, so I, I think that they've gotten a little bit ahead of that, and I think they're totally realistic, and they know probably a pretty good chance that uh, worse Jackson, Epineza are – earn the league next year. Anybody they, they, if, if if they're not realistic with that, well then a shame on them.
1: Right. Any surprises, Mark, that might uh, at least kick the tire grow through the process It'd be crazy not to if they think they're close? I guess Gino Stone Agreed. would be the guy. Um or or what, Any anybody pop in your mind? Uh Gino does. Um, Gino pops in my mind and then
4: maybe, you know, I think Chauncey Golson would be a guy who could get yeah. drafted. Had a nice year. But I think he's I think he's a guy who probably comes back and could get drafted higher than he would get drafted this year. But uh, any more, any more can I think the, guy, the guys are picking money, and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm, Nor do I. So it's a short window. It's a short window, and uh, you know Anthony Nelson. Yeah, yeah he took a chance, uh, and he got picked in the fourth round. And Monty mm-hmm. Hooker's name. Well, the signing bonus for that is eight hundred thousand dollars. That's a pretty good start-up line.
2: Nate Stanley will be going through the senior day uh, pomp and circumstance. I don't think we'll see a whole lot of emotion out of Nate. That doesn't seem exactly, don't think you're going to see any tears from him as he's running to to meet his parents there at midfield. But his legacy, didn't get a division championship, never got a victory against his home state Badgers, but finished strong here, win the last two games, and win another bowl game. Where do you think we're going to look back at the Nate Stanley career? Maybe not after this year, but when we're talking about this in five, eight, ten years.
4: Well, he dominated, won all three starts against Iowa State, won all three starts, didn't dominate, but won all three starts against Iowa State, uh, won all three starts against Minnesota, uh, will be favored to win all three starts against Nebraska, Mm -hmm. and uh, has a chance to win three bowl games. I I think that's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Now, did he get him to a Rose Bowl? No. Um, Did he have wins on the caliber that that Chuck Long can claim? No. Um, Matt Rogers, even. You know Matt Rogers had big games had big wins. I think getting to ten wins would be a big deal for Nate Stanley because I think uh you yeah, know that'd be one la- one more star on the resume or on the paper and uh to me, every little bit there helps um I think some fans there'll be a, there's gonna be a portion of fans who hold everything against them because that's sports fan nature, but uh, I think there are gonna be a lot of Iowa fans who can kind of see. Um, how much his career has meant uh, to me. I think it's it's one of the bigger ones that uh, I've covered because uh, basically of all the winning, <laughs> <laughs> I was beating Iowa State three times, beating Minnesota three times. I don't think I don't, I don't think you can take those those types of things for granted.
1: Mm. Uh, do you have an opinion, Mark? Penn State, Ohio State, Saturday?
4: Uh, I think Ohio State is uh, going to crush your heads. Do I, you? I, that's, uh, wow. I think Ohio State. I, I think I threw the point. Uh, Ohio State is. Uh, uh, guys, I just don't see it. I think no. it's uh I, I i do see the big Ten title game whomever that is I think for whatever reason, I think it's gonna be competitive i think w- if Wisconsin gets a second chance, I think that game will be better um if Minnesota somehow gets there, I think Minnesota will go for broke and make it an interesting game but uh I think Ohio State from in the rest of the regular season they're gonna steamroll everybody i think the i actually I think uh Ohio State beating Michigan will help Iowa get to the holiday bowl.
2: And that's where you want to go, it's San
4: Diego. Well, I think that's where I think that's realistic where they're going. I mean, really, I mean, if they yeah. win two games, they're going to be nine and three. It's that kind of level of bowl game, and uh, it just really lines up that way. And uh, the only way, right now, I could see Iowa fans maybe seeing past that would be. Any sort of if, if any sort of shot came up for the Music City Bowl, I think Iowa fans would jump over there because you could drive to yep. the country music yeah. capital of the world.
1: Indeed, and maybe the Preds are happen to be home, which would be a little bonus for I you and me, Mark Morehouse. And and there,
4: there is. There is. San Diego does have the goals back, so I would definitely go to San Diego goals.
1: <laughs> uh, Mark more Well, last thing for you, Mark. Uh, where are you on Mark D'Antonio? Is, is is this it for him, do you think? I mean, we know that the Rutgers is still open, whether Shiano's the guy there or not remains to be seen. I don't think there's any movement in the West we would pursue with the coaches. Dan Antonio, D'Antonio, rather, is the one to watch, right, in East Lansing?
4: Agree, and I think it's probably over. It just
1: uh, feels like it. It's,
4: uh, yeah, it feels like it, and I've read, you know, I've been reading for like the last month. Um, people are up there. Different culture up there. It's more of a results culture, of uh, Michigan State because you're not beating Michigan. You're you're irrelevant. Mm. And in my mind, uh, that's probably what gets San Antonio in trouble and uh I think the momentum is there for a change. There's a new athletic director, there's a new president and uh uh, it really does seem to be out of gas up there.
1: Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. You can read his game analysis, Gazette.com. Uh, it is up there now. Illinois and Iowa, all the minutiae about that football game is online right now. Mark wrote it. I read it. It's good. Mark, thank you.
4: Thank you so much, you guys. Good, good to talk to you.
1: Yep. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Gazette.com. All right, Trent, Thursday night football tonight in a pretty big spot in the AFC South. Both of these teams, 6-4. and four. Colts got the first
2: one? Yes. Yes. So they would have the tiebreaker with the win here.
1: Very important for Ooston, obviously. How do you see it? I know you're a Colts guy. This
2: is your squad. I know. I'm so tied up in the Colts already. Uh, Who am I kidding? I'm not going to be sitting this one out. I'll be firing at the Colts again. I'll grab the plus four. Though those fours are not out there much anymore. Seeing a lot of three and a halfs starting to pop up. And like NC State on the college side tonight. And, And who do they have? Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech in Atlanta. A lot of college basketball going on right now. Missouri State, the favorite in the MVC, is playing Miami. Like right now, you mean? Right now, as those Thanksgiving holiday tournaments are starting to get going. Basketball all day long. Yeah, it's a busy time of year, no doubt about that. All right, we'll be back tomorrow
1: with a Football Friday program. We'll give some barbecue away from Claxons, Our picks as well, Charter's picks. He's on a bit of a roll Dylan Montz, Tom Caker, some NFL conversation
2: as well. Recap Iowa against the
1: Ospreys from North Florida. Uh, We can squeeze that in. Grab the points. Grab the points. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6, Hawkeye Nation Radio at 7, Morning Rush tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Thanks for being here. fourteen.